Thank you for listening to this recording from Chestnut Hill Baptist Church. Today, Pastor David Seid preaches a message called When Jericho Fell, connecting Hebrews 11 and Joshua 6. Hope you find this message valuable and enriching. Our scripture reading this morning is from actually two books of the Bible, Hebrews 11.30 and also in Joshua 6, 1 through 5. And we'll start with Hebrews 11.30, which describes the faith of the Hebrews while they walked around the walls of uh, Jericho, and then back to Joshua that gives us more detail concerning what was told to Joshua regarding how he was to walk the wall. This came from the army commander of the Lord himself. So beginning, beginning in Hebrews 11.30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. And then over in Joshua, chapter six, beginning in verse one, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the wall once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. May God illuminate our hearts with this truth from this word this morning. Well, our scripture unfolds with the children of Israel at the borders of the, the promised land. They'd crossed the Jordan River and were encamped at Gilgal on the edge of that mag magnificent grove of palm trees there. And two miles away, they could see Jericho. It's a strong city with walls up to heaven, as scripture describes it, encircled by hills. And beyond that was a land that God had promised would be flowing with milk and honey, the land which had been promised to Abraham 430 years before. Joshua now was their leader, and his focus was on Jericho, because Jericho itself precluded them from entering in and taking that promised land. And it stood like a sentinel guarding their way and at night, Joshua went out to reconnoiter and he passed through that palm grove and he surveyed the barred gates and that towering walls that surrounded the city searching for some point of attack. And suddenly there stood over him a man with a drawn sword in his hand. And it was the angel who commanded the army of the Lord. And he issued a plan and Joshua carried that plan out, and this was the plan that he gave him. A band of armed men led the way, and then came seven priests with ram's horns. After them, the Levites bearing the Ark of the Covenant, and then again, armed men. And there was to be perfect silence in the ranks, except for the blowing of the ram's horns. And on the first day, the guards who stood upon the wall of Jericho saw this strange procession come down the road from Gilgal and began its march around the city. And on the second day, they probably remarked upon the 
reoccurrence of that particular spectacle. And on the third day, they looked into each other's face and smiled as they saw them again. And on the fourth, everybody in Jericho probably turned out to see it. Word had spread, and they're all standing there watching this progression. And there they come, the same priests, the same order, the same wooden chest, the same ram's horns, the same solemn silence. And it's safe to say that on the fifth day and the, the sixth day that there was much contemptuous mocking and laughing coming from the tops of those walls. And on the seventh day, the procession having completed its route around this city didn't turn out and go back on Gilgal Road, but proceeded to encompass the city again and again and so on for, for seven times. And then on reaching the gate, they paused. And the priest lifted their twisted horns to their lips and sounded a blast. And whereupon the armed men began to shout with one loud voice, perhaps saying, the Lord our banner. And now the people of Jericho watching with smiling interest felt the stones under their feet begin to shake and tremble. And their laughter ceased, their faces blanched, and in a moment the great bulwarks tottered and fell down. And then amid the cries of the wounded and the dying, over the ruined heaps, the army of Israel rushed in to possess the city. Now how can all of that be explained? The secret, if known to the great powers of the world, would save them in an expenditure of billions of dollars on arms and armament, if only they knew how to do the same thing. And it would be of incalculable value, I think, also to the church, because an important part of her work is the casting down of the strongholds of evil, if we only knew how to do that. And there's Islam standing in the, the way of Christian progress. There's even Judaism, founded deep in divine tradition with its walls towering to heaven. And how shall the church reduce them? Well, here is the secret. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. It was by faith. So let's see how faith proceeded to the task. The first thing I'd like us to notice with regard to faith is it began by throwing up its hands. Faith began by throwing up its hands. It confessed an utter inability. Faith must confess an utter inability. When Joshua on that moonlit night saw the barred gates and the towering walls, he knew that the, the task was hopeless. It was impossible for them. But just here in the beginning of strength, just here in that beginning, I will glory in my infirmities, said Paul. That the power of Christ may rest upon me, I take pleasure in my infirmities for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And secondly, faith fell on its knees 
and called on God. Faith fell on its knees and called on God. At this time, the children of Israel, they kept the Passover. It involved them in a delay of an entire week and gave the enemy an opportunity to strengthen his defenses. But no matter, the Passover must be kept. The lamb was slain, the altar blazed, the prayers were made, and the Israelites had their sight upon God. But next, faith got hold of a promise. Faith got hold of a promise. The captain of the Lord's army said, I delivered Jericho into your hands. And you see, that was enough. That was enough. Joshua believed it. It was a great thing to have a promise at the outset. And the Bible is filled with promises. And here's one of the boundless possibilities. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And here's another that rings like the trumpets. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. And here's another, a strong staff to, to lead upon. Lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. Get hold of a promise. It will be a starting point for your journey. Get hold of a promise. Spread it out. Meditate upon it day and night. Grasp it tighter. Stretch it wider and wider. Lie down upon it. Rest in that promise. The great train bridge over the Niagara began with a kite string, and then a whip cord, and then a rope, and then a larger rope, and then a wire, and then a strand of wire, a cable, a larger cable, a footbridge, and finally, a magnificent fabric over which the loaded trains still pass today. But faith found out a divine plan and fell in with it. Faith found a divine plan and then believed it and fell in with it. If you and I had been in Joshua's place, it's probable that we would have called a council of war, a committee perhaps, one would have said the way to reduce Jericho is by mining under the walls. Another would have suggested that catapults should be put on the encircling hills to batter down the gates. And still another might have insisted that the, the only hope lay in taking the city and before sieging it, allow it to slowly be succumbed to a famine. But Joshua did the better thing. He listened to what the captain of the Lord's army had to say. God's plan for our daily life is all marked out in scripture. The plan of salvation is here. Repent, believe, and be baptized. And that's to say, turn your back on sin. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him before men. And the plan of sanctification also is here in that we have a, a creed, an ethical code, and a rule of service. 
And our creed is whatever God says as to spiritual truth. Our code of morals is the, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, plus all the other precepts of the divine law. And our rule of service is go evangelize. Do good as you have opportunity to, to all men. And there are other plans of salvation besides that of scripture, but this is the only one that saves. As it's written, there is none other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved than that of Jesus Christ. Other methods of sanctification are proposed also, but the scripture plan which brings us under the influence of the Holy Spirit is the only one that brings us into Christ-likeness and up to the full stature of what we were created to be. And then also there is faith that proceeded to business. Faith proceeded to business. Joshua and the children of Israel did precisely as the angel of the Lord had commanded them to do. They formed a line. They took the ark along with them, kept perfect silence in the ranks, marched round and round once every day, seven times on the Sabbath, and then shouted. And here was exact obedience. They obeyed in all things. And that's the secret of success in serving God. A passive faith is no faith at all. Faith without works is dead. People do not reach heaven by sitting in the pews and singing hymns. Off beyond the horizon is a ship at sea, if you can envision that. And if you can envision calling out to that ship, where are you bound, we ask. To Canaan's happy shore comes the response. Where's your skipper? Down below. Where's your helmsman? Down below. Where's your crew? Down below. What are you doing? Drifting. You'll never get there. You'll never get there. And they never will. People do not reach Canaan that way. It took courage for the children of Israel to carry out that divine plan. No doubt while they were marching around the, the city, many an arrow came from the top of those walls. And worse than that, laughter and, and mocking. But they kept right on. It took patience also. A little fella in, in kilts with a little fire shovel in hand was engaged in carrying a ton of coal from the sidewalk to the chute. And those of you who used to receive coal know what I'm talking about. A gentleman passed by and said, do you expect to shovel that all in with that little shovel? Yes, sir, said the little fellow. If I keep at it, if I keep at it. There was a world of philosophy in that reply. He that believeth shall not make haste. All things are accomplished by bravely, patiently keeping at it. But after all, 
Faith did nothing. Faith did nothing at all. The ram's horn did not blow down the walls. There was no virtue in the weary march. The final shout had surely nothing to do with it. Well, who then or what overthrew those walls? God did it. And God has everything to do with the trumpets of our spiritual life, that all the glory may be his and not ours. It's that way in the matter of our salvation. Repent, believe, be baptized. These are required conditions. But the one thing needed is regeneration. And that's wholly the work of God. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, scripture reminds us. It's that way in our sanctification. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. That is, to its glorious fullness and its consummation in Christ-like character. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do his own good pleasure, scripture says. If we breathe spiritually, it's because God furnished the air. If we eat, it's because God has given us bread. If we drink, it's water out of the king's well. All glory is his. And that is that way also in service. Paul may plant, Apollos may water, but God gives the increase, our Bible tells us. In all things, faith is a conditional, but not an efficient cause. No matter what we do, we come up ultimately against the absolute need of a miracle. The children of Israel, they went out of Egypt and down the road toward Canaan until they reached the border of the sea. And they could go no further. On the other side were the mountains, and behind them where they heard the, the rumbling of Pharaoh's chariots. And they were wholly in the power of their foe, as far from deliverance as they ever were. And all their doing thus far was for nothing. In their impotency, they fell down on their knees and they cried to heaven. And then came the word, stand still and see the salvation of your God. The waters of the sea were piled up in a, a crystal walls on each side. They, they passed through dry ground. And on the far shore, they sang not of what they themselves had done, but of what the Almighty God had done in their behalf. Who is like unto thee, O God? glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders, the horse and his rider hast thou cast into the sea. God, God did it. And so now here's the, the secret of our self-conquest. All earnest men and women are engaged in a stern conflict with the, the pride and passion of unregenerate nation. We we wrestle not against flesh, scripture says, or blood, but against principalities and powers. So let us begin by kneeling at Calvary and invoking the help of him who said, no man shall pluck you out of my hand. It's a serious 
warfare, and there's no discharge in this war. A watch and fight and pray, the battle never give o'er, renew it boldly every day, and help divine implore. And here's the secret of the conquest of the world. Out of the upper chamber went a little company of humble folk to be the vanguard of a great procession who have ever since been compassing the world. Their only weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The foolishness of preaching by force of our example, or as well the pulpit is destined to overflow all the strongholds of evil. The very essence of preaching is foolishness, we're told. As it's written, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks, foolishness, but to them which are saved, the wisdom and the power of God. Marching, ram horns, silence, shouting, this seems to be a hopeless task, but we're going to win the world yet. This is the victory which overcometh the world, even your faith. We follow the divine plan, and just in the measure of our obedience, we are winning the world for Christ. It's a glorious work, so I ask, lend a hand. To hold back would be a mistake of your life, and some of the unspeakable joy of heaven will be this, that you had some part in it. May God bless his own word to us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we've come before your throne and opened your word, I pray that its message will reach our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see that faith in you and not in the deeds of man gave the victory at Jericho. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give us the boldness to, to act and to step forward in faith, but to realize that ultimately the miracle of our lives and our ministries come from you. Help us to expect to see the miracle of your work in your hand in our life and let us boldly go forth. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. For more information about Chestnut Hill Baptist Church, or to subscribe to these audio messages via our podcast, visit our website at chestnuthillbaptist.org. You can also write to us at Chestnut Hill Baptist Church, 2 Bethlehem Pike, Philadelphia, PA, 19118.